guys this is crime scene analysis i am angie i'm jess and i'm caroline and we are here to bring you all the intel and scoop on episode 206 head case it was written by wyatt kane and directed by lisa robinson my new like just under nathaniel bloom shrine to people i now adore on the crew <laughs> like i love you both to the moon i hope you know that um, okay, so let's rock it. Yeah. I started off at the 45 second mark um, because quite frankly, I am not okay with team Jess and Martin co-parent meetings. Like, no, 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 thank you. We, no, 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 it's been 20 years, nope. Yeah, this was like principal meeting, <laughs> sit down, son. <laughs> And just the fact that, again, like we kind of left off the last episode of like, she's playing right into his hands and he is just in his element. Like this is the best day of his life and I'm just over it. I'm also over, oh, go ahead. No, I just made a- Oh, a blur. a gross noise. (laughs) (laughs) True, understandable. Yep. I am also not okay with this like magic solution of if we tell Ainsley as a family, It'll be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. you know, someone, they murdered someone. It doesn't matter how many people you love are in the room. Like, that yeah. doesn't fix your response to it. This yeah. is not a group intervention for <laughs> substance oh. abuse. That doesn't, it's... that doesn't fix PTSD. <laughs> so, no, well, my mom told me, so I'm fine now. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that does not help PTSD. And my brother and my serial killer father of all people. Yep. Yep. Let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya together. (laughs) I also have an issue with, okay, like I am willing to suspend my disbelief in terms of the things Mr. David has or has not heard, but okay. We know from multiple previous episodes, these are not soundproof doors. Now, obviously you need to raise your voice a little bit, but like David is literally sitting in a chair right outside this door or standing right outside this door. And Malcolm is right in front of the window doing the like, my sister murdered someone in cold blood. And I'm like, okay, like at some point, Mr. David has to put two and two together. He has his AirPods in and he's listening to ragtime just. (laughs) 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 And we just can't see it. I I can't think of any other. It's perfect. Never change it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which the next thing leads me to the explanation of of the Tarot's question. What is a Monday morning accomplice? Oh my God. All right. So I searched the whole internet, the pillars of the internet for this thing. And I felt like a bad word for being able to figure out what it was. So what is it? Okay. So this is a reference to the phrase Monday morning quarterback. A Monday morning quarterback Statistically, most football games are played on a Sunday. A Monday morning quarterback is the person that is not necessarily sports related, but they're the one that looks back at the game and goes, well, here's all the things Brady did wrong. He should have blah, 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 blah. Yeah, hindsight's 2020. We get it. So it's essentially a hindsight is 2020 reference about like, yeah, on Monday morning, it's really easy for you to spot all the problems. You weren't doing it in the moment, but now you're looking back at your film and you can see all the idiocies you did. 
So the nobody likes a Monday morning accomplice is a joke about, yeah, hindsight. You can tell him all the things you should have done on how to chop up the body the right way, but you weren't there when he was doing the chainsaw, you know? So um, that's what that reference means. Like, don't point out the stuff when you weren't there in the moment to make the decision. Wow, I'm mad yeah. now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is, this is why we do this. I love this. this is, I, we all have such varied experiences because one of us picked up on it at some point. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, like, is this some like 80s crime TV show? Like another Miami Vice thing that I... <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's John Johnson or whatever. Oh my God. I just... Oh. And then I also want to talk about the absolute whiny bonanza of, oh, where was this leniency when I was oh the one murdered? People, I, uh, can't. Uh, I can't. Like, over, over it, over it. You are a bitter Betty, party of one. Like, yeah. just stop. Yeah, bitter yeah, yeah. Betty. Martin's loaded with, uh, Martin's uh, doling out the guilt. <laughs> the thing is, this wasn't even that much guilt. It was popular whining about something like oh, yeah a big piece of cake like that's what he was mad about like where was that when it was my turn like you murdered yeah. 23 people dude mm-hmm. on it purpose no at least in Ainsley's case she blacked out and didn't realize she did it I'm not forgiving it but it's better than intentionally torturing 23 plus people <sighs> sorry Martin this is the no compassion zone I hate to break that to you <laughs> It is always no compassion zone for me. So and here's the thing, like, I, I don't want people like I don't hate Martin. I don't hate Michael Sheen. I mm-hmm. love the character. He's a great foil for Martin, but I am not here to be like, oh, poor serial killer, give him a hug. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Sorry, yes, full stop. Should we like blur out my? Yeah, yeah. Brent can give you a little witness protection <laughs> finger. It'll be fine. Honest to God. Oh my gosh. No, what I loved about this whole scene was how much foreshadowing it was for the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, like when Malcolm says, "I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't know you were a killer." That foreshadowed mm-hmm. exactly what happened in the dream. Mm-hmm. Bye. At, um... Bye. <laughs> At 3.43, we get a nice little shout out um, to Duke Ellington, who, being the music nerd that I am, is, he was a jazz composer from kind of the big band era. Um, He composed first, and then he became like a conductor of his own band and played all the clubs um, in like the pre-Rat Pack era. Mm. Um, The Rat Pack was kind of a similar situation, but the music style had changed out of jazz, and jazz was definitely like in the 30s and 40s more than like the 40s and 50s and 60s. Um, so he very much would have been like that reference is like some royalty has been in this hotel. Like mm. it's not some random JT jokes about you're getting a lot of mileage out of that, but it's a big deal. It may be almost a hundred year old reference, but it's still a pretty big deal to be like that dude used to come to this hotel. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of hotels, Caro, what do we got, boo? Oh yeah. So they are talking about this hotel and its reputation, um, especially how, JT says that Danny thinks it's haunted. And I'm sure, or I'm hoping at least, that everyone who has logged on to Netflix in the last week and a half has seen that <laughs> there is a new documentary out. Um, I think it's called like Vanishing. Vanishing um, at the Cecil crime scene, the Vanishing crime. at Cecil Hotel. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, yeah, that just premiered. And that is the case of the real life Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles. Um mm-hmm which has a reputation of its own for being haunted. 
and was the home of many a lot, a a lot, lot of things. A lot of bad things. Yeah. <laughs> Jess and I are gonna yeah, actually. This. Yeah. Do do you have do you do you have those bad things? Because I I wrote a bunch of those bad things down. <laughs> yeah. To sort of do a quick hit list. I mean, there was a lot of suicides, a lot of murders. Um, one of our least favorite disgusting narcissist serial killers uh, hooked up there at, on the 14th floor and used to walk up the stairs after stripping down an alleyway in his underwear, in his blood-stained underwear to go back to his room. One does. Yes, exactly. When you're yeah. Gone. Um, but it was also known for its architecture when it was first yep. made. Um, it was a beautiful place for the time that it was made. I'm forgetting when. Are, are you talking about Art Deco? Yes. Yeah. Is it the same? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally just like this, the Kenmare Hotel and how okay. Malcolm was yeah. talking about it. It was the same thing with the Cecil. Um, Jess, do you want to talk more about the specifics about what happened? There? Uh, yeah. So there's there's a ton of, there's like a, a pretty large handful of things that they mention in this episode that are direct references or playoffs of the um the the real cecil hotel so uh one of the things that i that i didn't realize and when i did some quick research was that there was there's actually a murder that happened there that yeah. is still not solved mm -hmm. so at the time that this episode is happening there's a murder that happened that still hasn't been solved yeah Valerie ripper so mm -hmm. that was so I was like, oh hey, that's that's more than just like a, a random coincidence that that happens to be in there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's it's a it's an old hotel with a very creepy past, like Caroline outlined. Uh, they had multiple periods of that hotel shifting owners and styles and things like that. And uh, so after it was done being just a hotel, it became split up into two or three different sections over the years, and it became. A hotel it became a short stay place for people to stay for weeks at a time and then it became a place where and then there was a portion where people could actually live there and we see this happening in uh the kenmare hotel with the uh, with greta swan and her father they live there so um and it's and it was a rundown place even while it was open um i haven't yeah. finished the documentary series that caroline and i mentioned uh, that's on netflix about the cecil hotel but there is footage of people going into the hotel like bedrooms and bathrooms uh during the time that it was an open hotel for people to come to and it's just like yeah excuse me i would have ran out of there at the first <laughs> sight like so uh so yeah so and so this all came to mind actually like uh caroline said this all popped into her head about the Cecil Hotel, like when they walked into the Kenmare. And like, I was doing so many things at mm -hmm. once. All of this didn't really pop into my head until later when they end up in the uh, creepy ass elevator with Greta and her father popping in. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute, this, this is the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> yeah, so, so, and there's, um, and then the biggest thing, like we said, the Elisa Lamb case, uh, a lot of it centers on footage found of her in an elevator. So there's a lot of footage of them in the elevator or in the elevator shaft and it's really creepy and rickety and just really weird. So I, I thought that was an interesting uh, similarity as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the serial killer who actually stayed there um, 
Did I mention this guy's name? No, I have it written down. Though. I didn't know if you were going to. I didn't. I didn't want to be wrong, but because yep. there were a few actually. Well, but I only yeah, did. no, because there were two. Um, uh, Richard Ramirez. Yeah, who actually Lou Diamond like, Phillips played in? I was like, <laughs> excuse me, really? <laughs> Um, and then That's there was like another one degree of separation. That's not even yeah. six. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And then there was another guy who stayed there, but we don't. Yeah. There was no name given for that person. I don't think. No, he has a name. We oh, okay. Care. We don't, yeah, really, we don't care really care about, about it. I just put Ramirez down. Unfortunately. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, That's all right. Yeah. So, for all of our true crime mm-hmm. news. Yeah. It was cool. At the 553 mark, I have what I have titled my, I did not see that coming line of the episode which is the that is my vagina reimagined in three-dimensional <laughs> celebration of form and color <laughs> oh, that boy. might be one of my favorite just blindside you lines from this whole show like that was not the answer i was expecting and i have this amazing screenshot that i'll have to put up on social media of bright response I, yes, Danny's response versus JT. Like it is just three completely different responses to this question. JT was slightly intrigued, but Danny was just like, "Okay, what are we doing here?" Yeah, no, and it's was always like, bright, just smiling like an idiot. Like yeah, when it like, was when it was um, Adrisa talking about how many times you brought her orgasm. He's like, "Yeah, no, no. like he's always yeah, really yeah. Same energy." And I, I have to kid. say. I have to say, uh, when they were they were entering the uh, the artist loft, I was uh, I was I was sitting there smiling. I was pretty happy because like these are my kind of people. I'm not as eccentric as them. My artwork is not my vagina reimagined as whatever. Yes, yes, but, yes, yes. but as someone who really wants their own <laughs> studio space and really wants to like work with other like local artists and stuff, I was uh, that just made me happy to see. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, no, this was, and the... I love the callback too. When later, like, they have moved on, Bright and Danny are talking about the case, and JT just goes, I still have no idea how that's supposed to be. In the <laughs> and Danny's face again is like, Can we just not talk about it anymore? Right, can we move on from vaginas, please? <laughs> My god. <laughs> no, I actually love seeing the studio. It looked very much like the art studio at um, the college that I went to. Um, where they had a huge like open space art gallery where it was just like paintings everywhere like just they (laughs) spread the whole place out Um, and then of course we meet Wendell who I loved and who Bright clearly loved as well (laughs) it was his people for sure that was you could see it on his face too he was like I found one of me (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he also talks about that Bowery Ripper who um I like had assumed that that was just like a fictionalized um, thing for the purpose of the show. But then I looked it up and there actually was a Bowery Ripper in New York City who people believed was Jack the Ripper who came to, yeah. Okay. Like during the same time period or like reincarnated? Oh, yes. (laughs) Same, same time period. Yeah. I'm disappointed in my true crime, uh, nerdy self for not having looked up that information but i'm glad you did (laughs) yeah yeah um so they thought that it was actually him um but then someone went on to describe that they thought it was like a phenomenon calling someone a jack the ripper if they were a murderer who gruesomely tore women um 
Well, that's going to get you, pre- that's going to get you press, you know, like newspapers sold and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Back exactly. In the day, that was what was going down. So yeah, the website that mm-hmm. I found showed the old newspaper clippings mm-hmm. from this time. And it was like, Jack the Ripper comes to New York City. Like that would have scared the and just like modern day media anything that'll scare the crap out of people but may not necessarily be true is what we will lead with on this 24-hour news cycle Mm -hmm. oh yeah yep fun stuff well that's cool Mm -hmm. at 8 33 carol i had a little callback to to last week when we talked about jt being the everyman oh yes i was thinking of that (laughs) where he like immediately sticks his head in the elevator and goes nope and just backs up and leaves meanwhile danny and bright are like yeah let's do it they just get on the elevator i think this the the line this does not inspire confidence i've used that at least three times this week after hearing that i just loved it (laughs) i feel like i want to use that on like a student's assignment (laughs) like like, how far have you gotten Ooh, that does not inspire confidence yeah (laughs) yeah at, uh, at 8.36, speaking of elevator, we do have um, Danny and Malcolm together on the elevator. And she asks about Claremont. We get a nice little, um, what do you want to call it, platonic whatever bonding moment. Like it's, it's nice to see that they are a little more open asking about kind of personal things when they're private and not around other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so she knows that Claremont tends to be a trigger thing for, for Malcolm. So she's generally like, are, are you okay? What went down? Um, and I really love how Tom played Bright's response, which is like, I can't tell her. Like, it's not like, a, oh, it's fine. Like he told her, well, you know, same as always, but then he has to stop at a certain point because he can't reveal too much. Mm-hmm. So it was nice that he revealed pretty much as much as he could to her before stepping across the line yeah. that he wasn't going to be able to come back from. Yeah. Because he could have just been like, the... it was fine. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. admitted like, no, it was an ambush. It was horrible. I hate my life. Yeah. But I don't want to bore you with that. You know, like, um, so that was kind of a cute moment I enjoyed. Yeah. That was also is... a little bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then this is the first time we hear a callback to a piece of score from episode 105. So it happens way more prominently later um, in the episode, but there's a little undertone of it in this moment when they're talking and bonding. And on the the score, like soundtrack for the score, it's titled, um, what what is it? What would Freud say? Because that's, okay. it, but I think the fandom kind of knows it more as the drink more tea drink with more friends. Tea. Yep. Um, this is specifically a moment where in their friendship it during that episode 105 they had already you know danny had already said like look we're not friends yet we'll get there malcolm tells her you can trust me they definitely bond over she reveals she had od'd before she's seen him you know high and tried to take care of him so it was definitely the first episode where if you were gonna think that potentially there could be some romantic something there that maybe that's like the spark episode for that um and it was really nice that Bloom, again, in his genius, um, kind of recycles a bit of that and, and brings that theme back out for this because it's a big moment. This is a big episode for things bright, well, bright, well related. Um, so it was nice to get like a little hint of it there. And I'll be honest, I missed the hint of it on the elevator in my first watch. I totally lost my mind over the finale part later that we will discuss. I was like... Um, but when I rewatched, I was like, oh my God, it's here. And it just yeah. made me all, all in the feels and fuzzy. 
I heard it and I immediately thought it was like, Angie's going to be so proud of me because I recognized it for once. I was listening. (laughs) So one of the things I really like about this episode is the symbolism of the actual crime versus the things that are going on in dream Malcolm world. Because this entire real life crime boils down to um, a father, a parent serial killer that has hid what they've done from their child. And the Mm -hmm. child finds out at the end of the episode, oh my gosh, my father was a serial killer. And maybe he had changed. We don't know, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. Um, But that's such a juxtaposition of like, that's Malcolm's experience. And that has to do with the dream where he doesn't know again in the dream and all of that. Like, so even the real life case has a lot of similarities to the things that we're about to see in the hallucination that aren't case based. Yeah. Um, which was kind of cool to be like, okay, this person is like the, the female version of, of Malcolm in that situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it in my notes somewhere, but I'm not sure it's probably later on. Um, something came to mind that uh, in comparison to that, or I should say, you know, in, opposite of that uh martin didn't entirely hide everything from malcolm like he was like we have flashback scenes of him like trying to get malcolm to cut something with a scalpel and granted he didn't show him everything all at once but like he wasn't hiding what he was doing 100 percent uh versus you know this other father that we see who managed to keep it hidden from his daughter because he didn't want her to know what he was yeah that's what i'm wondering so it seemed like the timeline of the bowery ripper for this episode was like prior to having a child because that was like i feel like the ripper stuff was yeah, like earlier like, than what her age would have been when they was said the ba- they said like 40 the, that person at least hadn't been their murder hadn't been solved for like the number I heard was 40 years. Right. So, so that daughter could have been, she could have been very 40 young. or younger or a little, yeah. and then the guy stopped or whatever. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I feel like was Martin serial killing before Malcolm was around? Like, I mean, we don't really have an answer to we that. Know. We don't know. But yeah, it's interesting true. to wonder, did he start doing that like because he couldn't handle the pressures of being a dad and the surgeon and everything like what mm-hmm. it, it's inter- it's just something we don't know so i would be interested to know That's was true. he killing <laughs> before he met um jess was he killing before the kids was he did it all happen after that's just some stuff we really don't know yet yeah and that's something that i want to talk about later when we find out the when we find out the actual killer was the man it's very similar to a real life case in which mm-hmm. A man did kind of, I mean, if you look at famous serial killers, there is a range between did they stop when they had kids? Were they killing while they had kids? There's always a range. And with the real life killer that I sort of wonder if this guy was based on, he, it looks like he took breaks in between his children and then went back out a couple of years later and then eventually stopped altogether. Speaking of kids, at 1040, there's an adorable picture in the office behind Ainsley of baby Ains and baby Malcolm, and it's the cutest thing ever. <laughs> I had they, noticed there was a picture there, but I didn't stop to like, look at it. You could kind of see it a little bit when Jess was down there, and they were talking, like, she was calling etiquette school girlfriends and things, and 
I'm like, I couldn't tell who it was. And for a minute, I thought it was like her and Jen. And I'm like, are they just like, they don't have any stock photos. So they threw that picture back there and like, no one will notice. And then we got a closer shot of it. And I was like, oh, it's the babies. They were so cute. Mm -hmm. I love how they both have pictures of each other as kids. Like if we recall the, I think it was the finale when Malcolm is like packing himself up to go away. His nightstand, he has a picture of him and Ainsley. Yep. Because it's adorable. Yes. Um, so at eleven nineteen, I found Mr. Nathaniel Bloom's little secret Ainsley nugget he was telling us about. <laughs> I thought for sure it was going to be at the end, and I will talk about the yeah. end when we get there. It is not. So um, this is the first of of kind of a couple nuggets. But when Malcolm goes into the office and sits down with Ainsley and says, "Is there anything that you want to talk about?" Like he asks if she's angry. Um, she kind of looks at him before she responds and you can tell like at first she feels like very like tense and then she kind of softens and goes no or whatever um in that moment when she's tense there's what's called an inverted theme so like for example the typical forgive me i'm gonna hum i'm not a great singer um (laughs) there's the typical like do 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 that happens when it's like the we're the same theme this one goes the opposite it goes do 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 like it goes opposite but it's the same method and the same rhythm of the we're the same theme and so I was like bloom you sneaky bastard like (laughs) I was like there it is Mm -hmm. um and it's it's very short and very chill but I was like ah so she's I think if we do get like a full-fledged theme for her it's going to be very similar but it's going to be like the photo negative of the Malcolm Martin version, which is going to be Lots really so very creepy very and very fun and very yes, excited. delightful. Yes. So cool. I want at 1348 to again say Bright is progressively getting better at calling for backup. He called on his way. He wasn't there yet. He called in route, which is an improvement. Normally he's like, hey, I'm in the middle of a basement with 17 giant guys with weapons. Oh, I need some backup. Uh, so luckily he's, he's getting there. Now he still doesn't wait when she yeah. asks him to wait. And in fact, hangs up on her straight up like, click. Not talking. Like I said, not last episode because I wasn't here, but the episode before that in, uh, oh gosh, what is that? Four, is that fourth episode? Like, he calls for backup and never finishes the phone call. Either something happens to him or he just like, what? And click, bye. He's, he's the dog from Up where he's like, squirrel. <laughs> like he, he immediately like found something shiny to lock onto. So, so we, got the, we, got the, we got the call for backup. Now can we have the finish your wait phone call and listen and wait? He doesn't want to hear the response, which is going to be stop it and stay yeah. right where you are. He's like, yeah. oh, I never heard it. My phone disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have some static. I don't know what happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At 15.36, I am here for the fact that in kind of this dream reality, um, Malcolm and Danny tag teaming these interrogations like freaking bosses they are finishing each other's sentences Mm -hmm. they are boom 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 grilled done signed confession like i mean they're taking it's i love that because as we move on and we start to realize okay this is not reality this is obviously Mm -hmm. like a fantasy of the perfect things he wants for his life it's not just the romantic side that is perfectly clicking with them it's the job side. It's the fact that he is a member of the NYPD, which is what he wants. 
He wants to be a part. The fact that him and her working together, and even JT's like, you guys are on fire. Like they yeah. were killing it. And it's fun. just, it's so, it's not just about I want her romantically. It's like I want to have that closeness and that trust as a partner. And they just, it was amazing. I've rewatched it like three times. I was like, they don't even get to the end of a sentence before the other one jumps in. I was like, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's a testament to the fact that there's all these references to them calling each other partners. Is yeah. there? It's more than romantic. It is way beyond that. In this, that's what the kids are calling it. Yeah, <laughs> as Martin said. Hey-o. I mean, he wasn't wrong, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and one uh, of the oh, things I sorry, Angie. <laughs> one of the things I pointed out in my notes was that um, we don't we haven't been told it like it hasn't been said yet that he's a detective and so watching that scene was really interesting because i was like we've not seen this we've seen malcolm in an interrogation room offering some information asking some questions especially in uh, the last episode bad manners he brought evidence in and was asking some questions but he wasn't fully interrogating the guy whereas watching this i was like what is what is weird about this what is like feeling odd about this because as a profiler Malcolm is not allowed to be in the interrogation room and interrogate suspects he does it elsewhere and you know gets his answers other ways but I was just like there was it it took me a while and like through processing like writing on my notes and stuff to realize yeah that that looked weird to you because we don't get to see that Mm -hmm. (laughs) so that was that was really nice to see which leads us to family dinner. I wanted to do a really cool shout out. So we have this first moment where, um, and it actually happens really quickly in the precinct before he gets told to go home. He starts to have these like little episodes of like things are, are happening or he has a concussion, he has a headache, whatever. And every time he has this, um, you hear this like really distinct sound that I realized um, later on throughout the episode is the sound of the steel cables in the elevator shaft. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I can't replicate it with my mouth. It's just not a sound. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> but like, it's a sound that any moviegoer knows. If you've ever seen a movie or a TV show that involves an elevator or some kind of like, they're snapping and the elevator is going to fall. It's that metallic sound that you hear from those cables. And I love that that was something they weaved into it. Like he's really in the bottom of the elevator shaft hearing the the elevator coming down and what the noise that those cables would be making and that's what's triggering his episodes in the dream world Mm -hmm. and i just thought that was such a cool addition with the editing that was really neat well angie it's very fun let's go i'm ready (laughs) let's let's do this okay (laughs) so this was probably one of my favorite episodes Aside from the Brightwell standpoint, um, <laughs> because, oh my God, we got so much neurology. I am just like, God bless. Okay. So then of course, Malcolm has another thing with his head and the family notices and Ainsley points out, oh, you have contusions. There was a lot of medical vocab in this whole scene, which I adored. <laughs> um, contusions are, is a medical term for bruises. Uh, Malcolm says he fell from three or four floors. Bro, a floor is 14 feet. <laughs> and landed perfectly straight like he was laying in bed on a pillow. So That's he fell. my one complaint with this episode. What this, is happening? This dude fell he, like from 42 to 40 to 56 feet That's to the ground. Lot. 
That is a lot. That you can is get a, a you can get a concussion just from falling from your own height. Like, yes, exactly. Like, you can get a concussion. And we know anyway. there's blood. Like there was lots of blood under his it's head all in the elevator shaft. Yeah, like Seems sketchy. Oh boy. Yeah, exactly. And people are not really sure what's the technical height that you can fall from somewhere and still <sighs> live. Some people say about twenty feet, which obviously, <laughs> Malcolm, you ain't laugh <laughs> now, but. Again, just everybody's different. All right, so at 2010, we kind of have the first moment where Team Brightwell died a thousand deaths. And that was Malcolm wakes up from this dream. And who wakes up right next to him? Miss Danny Powell. Um, I'm going to do my best not to just go straight off because I know not the whole fandom is hardcore Brightwell. Um, but that being said, for those of us that are, it was definitely like a, oh, snap. Like, yeah, we know it's not mm-hmm. real. But the fact that this scene, she's there comforting him and she says the phrase that they are home. Um, and that like, so in his subconscious, what he needs to soothe him in those moments is her in their home. And it was just the sweetest, most like my heart. It's so adorable. And not only that, and I want more content. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, and like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a sappy, you know, kind of person a little bit like home. Yeah. That that's more than just a place. Mm-hmm. Her reference oh, to yeah. home is the two of them, like wherever, you know, being wherever. So I was just like, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, also total side note. And the next scene leading up to that um, is the couch, which is the other moment when a thousand Brightwell deaths happen. But I really want his freaking chess set. That is the coolest <laughs> chess set ever. And I mentioned it in my write-up way back in the day, the first time it appeared on his coffee table. It is so like minimalist and glass and cool. And I want it. I just want to put it somewhere so it looks cool. <laughs> um, so the couch. This is the other moment that slayed much of our uh, collective fandom. Oh, boy. <laughs> so here's the thing. In addition to all the glory that is the next morning, some of us are pantsless couch snuggles. Uh, <laughs> I, I like it. That's, that's my go-to. Yeah, <laughs> we, learn in this, we learn in this moment that Malcolm is Whitley, not Bright, which we had not heard at all. Um, I loved it. I loved the, like, he doesn't have to hide from a past that supposedly doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so not only is he, you know, partnered both romantically and employment wise with someone and things are going well and his family's happy. Like he just, all of this trauma that we've watched him try to deal with for the entire length of this show, it's just gone. Like you can see in the way that Tom portrays him, like it's, it's almost like you can see his shoulders higher. Like he's not burdened. He's not, um just being weighed down by all of those things and when when Danny said that I was like of course like he wouldn't need to be bright um and it was just it hurt a little I'm not gonna lie because I don't want him to be Malcolm Whitley I'm like Mm -hmm. no but it makes sense that that would have been his perfect route you know Mm -hmm. and quite frankly that bright world kiss will sustain me until my death so that's in my life (laughs) i don't care what happens i mean we're gonna get renewed i'm not gonna even speak other things out in the universe but 
even if they never give me real life Brightwell, at least I have this moment where we I can that. say they were all domestic and adorable <laughs> and legs were over other legs and they were cuddly and there was kissy face. And it makes <laughs> me so we made me very, it. very happy to see so many of you people who are like, oh, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about fluff to be like, oh my God. And I'm like, yeah, I know, right? I mean, it was I'm like, this right. is my- like, I am, I'm like 95% wump with like a touch of, of fluff, but this was the touch of fluff yeah. that my heart needed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one of the um, things he said while they were sitting there, um, when Danny asked him, like, what is going on? Because you seem far away. Was uh, he, he said, I have everything I want, but there's moments where I feel like I don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like put in capital letters in my notes with that, like imposter syndrome. Like, I know there's a reason why he feels distant because he's like, you know, in that dream state and still mm-hmm. in and out of it kind of thing. But at the same time, like that's that's <laughs> that's the definition of imposter syndrome. And it sucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At 2537, we get a literal shot for shot, sound for sound remake of the pilot. Yeah. When we get to see what I am forever calling Teen Wolf Gill, you cannot change my mind. (laughs) He is Teen Wolf Gill. I don't care. But I mean, I I went back and I rewatched the pilot, like with the exception of there are some slightly different shots when Malcolm's coming down the hallway because he has like the stress ball and some other stuff from the pilot. But Every single shot of the handcuffs, the twisting hands at his waist with Gil, the The cardigan adjustment, the keys, all of this, and the exact moments of the score at the exact same time. Um, Even to like the zoom in on Bright when he's standing there before the Mm -hmm. Gil reveal. It was all just, I'm like, oh, and this is like the second time this season that they've given us like a reshoot of that moment. And it, I just want to hear Lou Diamond Phillips talk about the absolute blast he had getting into that character just being able to kind of channel the crazy he got to charge at Michael yeah. Sheen I mean yeah, come like, on because he's not Gil it's, it's the first episode he's not Gil <laughs> like I, I said earlier like I want more of Tom Payne impersonating his fellow cast which I agree <laughs> yes. but I did not know the sleeper I wasn't waiting for was Gil imp- being Martin I wasn't That's prepared fantastic. for it but now I'm here for it let's do that some more too oh my god I just want to see a BTS photo when they did lose hair like that because I you know he took a <laughs> selfie and he was like ah! oh yeah Oh yeah, he totally did. So or he just was like just putting bloody. on all the chops, like all the extra facial hair and stuff. Oh my god, he was it's so funny. And oh. his legs look so tiny <laughs> <laughs> in the little scrubs he wore. Like he just yeah. has such tiny little legs. At this point, when he's in Claremont, Malcolm puts the pieces together like I'm still on the elevator shaft. Like it all comes together. So at this point, he's kind of lucid dream state. Um, yeah. like he knows that it's a dream. And that he now has a mission to to complete this dream supposedly and get through it. Um, and what I really loved at like the 30, 31 mark was like the swan revelations where everything starts to kind of go together. And much to our editor Britt's excitement, I'm about to make a massive Disney reference here. This whole scene reminded me so much of the scene in Tangled where Rapunzel starts seeing the suns. Mm. she realizes that these things were all around her the whole time and these clues were there the whole time and they kind of did like those quick flashes of the picture and the um art you know the piece over his fireplace and then the 
the swan cufflink and all that. And I was like, oh, it's like Tangled when she realizes I'm the princess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which, you know, Mako's a princess. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> um, like it, it was just a really cool sequence that reminded me of that moment where like all the little pieces come together. I've been seeing them everywhere. Okay, so one of the things I noted here was that uh, everything that is being said or done or seen by Malcolm is coming from his own brain, uh, even though there are other people. It's kind of, you know, it's it's Malcolm's subconscious. And we've seen Malcolm's subconscious represented by his father, uh, another time that he passed out. Um, I believe that was the professionals. Uh, Martin showed up and helped him figure things out right there. So that was his subconscious. Uh, we've seen, we saw in the trip, that his subconscious becomes himself mm-hmm. in place of Martin. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing, well, we're kind of seeing two things from, from Gil being here, I think. Uh, we're seeing Gil being his subconscious in Martin's place now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also this form of Gil represents reality because yeah. he mentions the surgeon, he mentions, and they flash back to it scene-wise, Gil showing up at, the door and Martin answering it with the cup of tea. That is all stuff that we know is true and consistent with the reality in, in the in the show. So And this uh, is the first time that we get a clue that like it's not that Martin isn't a serial killer. Yeah. It's that he doesn't know he doesn't that his father know. is a serial yeah. killer. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I like how they played that because I was like, he started saying these things and I was like, how are they gonna like fit this in all of these things yeah, that Gil I thought is they saying. Were play Gil as the serial killer. Yeah. yeah. yeah but then when they yeah. when they kept him as the cop, I'm like, wait, where are we going with this? Yeah. And I was like, aha. So yeah. I really liked that he said what happened in reality, but it was he drank the tea, woke up three days later, and started spouting off all these crazy things. <laughs> Here's so, another, like yeah. why did Martin not kill him? Why did he Because that was his original and... that was his original plan yeah so because malcolm was around i don't know maybe he didn't do anything more details we need in this whole backstory situation we need like 206.5 yeah (laughs) we need a we need a half episode or something to explain some of these things yeah Yeah. deleted scenes and the blueprint (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah so yeah so that was just really cool to to watch those kind of two things that gil represented in in that uh the portion of the episode i mean gil is so important to malcolm in yeah the real world mm-hmm. and pointing things out to him that he wouldn't otherwise realize about himself. And so it was nice to see, even if the situation was kind of flipped in this reality, Gil was still that person who led him down the right path. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's very nice to see, no. you know, cause in this reality, Gil isn't that like, you know, Papa Bear presence in Malcolm's life, which yeah. I love and adore, but at least he's still helping him out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I loved the coloring in this hallway, so like the final hallway scene where we have in the yeah. dream, um, the Ripper is confronting Martin and then Malcolm is having to confront both of them. The lights just consistently change to like different shades of red and purple and blue and all of that is representative of his psyche, like of mm-hmm. how things are happening in um, Malcolm's head. And I also love that he thinks that this is going to fix the problem like if i solve this case 
and I take down the bad guy, then I'm going to just magically poof, like show back yeah. up in reality. And like, that's the whole thing. And then it doesn't necessarily work out that way. I know Jess, you had a couple things to hit there. Yeah. Uh, first off in that scene before he like realizes, you know, before everything goes down and he realizes like, you know, why hasn't descended. Um, Martin is a really big fan of Danny. <laughs> and literally the first thing he asks when they walk into that darn hotel is, is Danny here? <laughs> He's a fan of her in real life, though. I mean, Aurora, oh, what was that tweet Aurora said where she's like, listen, he likes her in this realm, too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. uh, uh, he's yeah. a huge fan regardless. My new friend, Danny. So that yeah, they're was, BFFs now. That was just really funny to see. I want him to call her from Claremont. Like, they're in the conference room sometime, all of the team, and then Danny's phone rings, and he's like, hey, Danny, and then Malcolm just looks over like, what the frick? And she's like, go to <laughs> hell, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I will blow your head off. Click. Yeah. I was but. not kidding. I mean that. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that goes on in this scene from the time that they walk into the artist loft. Or, or I should say, end up in the hallway that um, Angie mentioned with the, the funky lighting with the blue and the red and, and whatnot. So there's a ton that goes on and you've got Dream Martin being held at knife point by the, uh, the killer, the uh, serial killer that we learn is the Bowery Ripper. And he's, oh, there, there's what, there it is in my notes. Like I said, so I mentioned it earlier. He said, I couldn't let my daughter know what I was. But like I had mentioned earlier, Martin didn't entirely hide that from Malcolm. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, there's the mention of lying to protect family. So another one of those lines that calls back to, you know, reality for them. And Malcolm has said it multiple times that he's a detective at this point, but it still took a reminder from Martin, dude, you're a detective. Like, <laughs> detectives, detectives have, have weapons <laughs> yeah so i thought that was just really funny like dude you've said it multiple times you know you're a detective and shout out to capable bright you know yes. the third time in the whole series yes. we've seen it happen oh boy we need more ricky mm -hmm. this is for you shout out to capable bright <laughs> you and me girl you and me we're yes. on that wavelength in regards to him being a detective we start seeing him once he enters the artist loft we start seeing him act like a profiler again He's not a profiler in this dream state, but that's all he knows in mm -hmm. reality. So his subconscious has turned him, ha has given him those, those abilities. So he starts going, you know, being the profiler that we know, but that's not actually dream Malcolm. So, because he had no reason to become a profiler. Yeah, anyway, so God, like, like I said, there's just so much going on in this episode. Uh, we see Malcolm pull out a gun and shoot. The last time we saw Malcolm pull out a gun, he couldn't shoot it. Mm -hmm. Didn't do it. And so he Did manages. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he manages to do it in this episode. And actually, <laughs> one of the things I went back and watched a few times to take a look at like his reaction. He looks confused. He shot the gun and then he like kind of looks at his hand like, what did I just do? Yeah. Like, what? Well, but that confusion is because he thought he would wake up. Yes. And then, mm, and then yeah. I realized like immediately after. So I feel like it's kind of yeah. like two part, like immediately, like, cause he kind of like looked at his hand and then was like, why am I still like, here? Was, so I was supposed like, to ah, fix it. Why am I still standing mm -hmm. in the hallway? So, so, I can't, I, I need that... to tap my toes again. Yeah. <laughs> there's no place like home. <laughs> there's no place yeah, so... <laughs> And, and yeah. And, and I have that written right after that. So he, uh, 
And then he gets a hug. Malcolm gets a hug. Our fandom keeps screaming about Malcolm needing a hug, but Malcolm got a hug from someone. Okay. I didn't want we to would say Malcolm doesn't need a hug gives from. Him the hug. Thank you, Kara. Yes. You and I are on the same page. I'm like, he does need a hug, but does it have to be from Martin? Yeah. I yeah. didn't want so this hug. We would say he doesn't Can it be need like a hug. Gil or somebody? Just let Gil <laughs> hug him. Or JT. I am here for a JT. Oh, yes. oh my hug. God, please. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. So, but he ends up with a hug from Martin. And one of the things that we've heard Tom say a lot in his interviews is that, especially early on, there's this tension with him of he knows how horrible his father is. He knows his father's a serial killer. He's mad at his father. He's angry at him. But at the same time, he still loves him. Yeah. And he is highly upset that he missed out on an older childhood and his teenage and young adult life years without a father. So right. the formative all, years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And all he really wants is a hug and that's those are the little those are the words tom actually says he wants a hug from his dad yeah well thank you writers you gave us a hug from his dad yeah they're giving <laughs> us all the content and dream reality just not in the real world yeah it's also like baby no you don't need a hug from him he sucks not, not, not him, not him. <laughs> no but um yeah. which right after that at 33 39 once he solved it like we're talking about the confusion and the misunderstanding it ends up leading into like kind of the celebration at the Whitley's house with the champagne or whatever and the the song choice is just pristine I'm not really sure I tried to find how to pronounce it I think it's Rostam um is the name of the the group um and the song is don't let it get to you the reprise Mm. but that song that plays while they're celebrating and while he's like getting the hug from his dad and he's like, I'm still here. I don't know what's going on. It is, it's so perfect. Like there are some of these lyrics mm-hmm. and it plays again later as well. It takes a pause for a minute and then it plays again. Um, but the lyrics are, um, you're not going to get it exactly how you want, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't try. It's not going to feel the way you expected and it's going to hurt to figure it out. But if you're patient and you're kind, um, and I don't know why, and it's no fun. I still think you know, please don't let it get to you. Like, so there's like, it's literally the dream (laughs) described. It's the dream described. Everything you wanted is not going to be the way that you hoped. And it like, it hit. Like when I read the lyrics, because sometimes when these songs happen, um, either they're sang in a certain way that you can't quite understand the lyrics perfectly, or there's other stuff going on and you're not focused. So when you go back and you read the lyrics as that moment's happening, it hits. And then this is also the same song that plays in a moment, which I'll come back to that in just a second. Um, and it hits even worse in that moment too. Um, so then we have, you know, Team Whitley popping champagne and apparently having pickles with champagne. Did I, maybe I am <laughs> not pickles. high class. Clearly I am not wealthy and well-to-do, but get the baby pickles with your glass of champagne. Is that a thing? Or do we have rich listeners? Probably not. Is anyone <laughs> rich? Anyone want to tell me if that's a thing? Like tiny pickles that sounds like why don't you have pickles in a peanut butter sandwich because that sounds about equally as delicious like yeah Uh, pickles aren't my jam regardless of what they're paired with so yeah well that's usually like a very opinionated food for people yeah (laughs) yeah um 
we also kind of found out through some tweets from Aurora that this scene, um, it sounds like she was supposed to be in this scene. Oh! But it was, I know. So oh, Carol, sad. you missed the Discord discussion. Okay, Carol, listen. Um, so, <laughs> fill you in right listen, here. girl, listen. So it's, it sounds like that she was scheduled to be in the scene and maybe it was filmed early or she was still quarantined and they mm-hmm. needed her. So they tried to rewrite or switch as much as they could um, to not have her. So they gush over her, right? Like, oh, yeah. you know, basically, when are you going to put a ring on it, Malcolm? Um, and that whole scene. <laughs> and so my <laughs> argument here, we of course went on a little tangent, like, damn it, she wasn't there. And then I said, oh, guys, wouldn't it have been amazing if she was supposed to be in the final scene too and she was in the basement with Malcolm and he had to look at her when he chose to go away? Oh, mm-hmm. shut up. Mm-hmm. Shut up. Yeah. You ruined it. Brit, That's it. Bye, Brit guys. See you next week. <laughs> Brit, Brit was like, I, nope, I hate you. Yep, yep, I hate yeah. you to I, death. I think I Meanwhile, walked in at like the end of that discussion and read through it and I was like, excuse me, this yeah, is what I no. come back to. Meanwhile, Carrie and, Carrie and Joy and I are like, yes. No, stop. I am on Brit's side. I am, no. How oh. dare you even put that thought into my head? I just had a vision of that in my mind. I'm not happy right now. <laughs> that would have hit, that would have hit hard. Holy oh. cow. Mm-mm. Which leads us to this final what I thought was going to be a girl in the box, but they kind of hoodwinked us a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Um, this final scene, I just, I absolutely loved it. So there's um, this particular score that happens while the closer Malcolm gets to the box, there's, and, and Martin is making all these dramatic exclamations to try to get him to stop. Yeah. Um, there's this kind of consistent thump that gets like faster and faster and faster which is his like heart rate of him like realizing what he has to do and all of that which is really cool representation um and they make like the schrodinger's reference which i loved um uh-huh. the, like hair schrodinger would disagree and my uh malcolm says dr whitley mm-hmm. in this scene yeah which is our first indicator of like, this is reality, Malcolm, now, like he's pretty much back. Yep. Like there is no confusion about what's happening and what's going on. We got a little bit of it in the upstairs yeah. um, when he was kind of like, I need to go get some snacks. But now, you know, like, okay, this is our OG Malcolm back. He's cognizant within this dream. Um, and I absolutely love how the set department did like the shaking of everything around him to be his psyche like all these jars and everything around him is shaking as he's making the decision to, even though it's going to hurt, he's going to leave this reality. And it was, it was, it, it hit. And again, Tom, I feel like I say Tom's performance like 15 times in every CSA episode, but the absolute heartbreaking pain in his eyes, when he says, stay for her, she won't be here. Like she, like it Not hits it freaking i am not the most emotional of people like i mean it takes a minute for me to get to that level and that hit and looking at the tears in tom's eyes it just damn like it was absolutely superbly done it was beautiful yeah i had accidentally paused it at that point and like looked up and i was like oh geez i just him right there teary-eyed staring at the camera seriously it hits oh boy yeah, and when Mark, when Michael says, son, stay, stay for her, I just, there's something about the levity in Michael's voice 
with how he did just I don't know if it was intentional or just what happened but there was just some levity in his voice that I can't describe and it just sounds it just like gives you more of the feels I don't know well, it's just he, really like, nice of the way he said it Martin absolutely knows that that is his last ace in the hole to play yeah, yeah. like in dream like dream Martin knows like if anything's going to keep him here it's this play right now and he yeah. plays his last ace and it just yeah. it doesn't work yeah as much as Malcolm wants it to yeah, because he wants someone that he can be open and honest with, which he does not yeah. have in real life. You know, even with Martin, you know, as Martin being the only other person, well, now it's Jessica, but for most intents and purposes, the only other person who knows about what Ainsley did. Yeah. Like, he still can't be open and totally honest with him because he's a freaking serial killer. Like, yeah. he has a good person in his life in this reality who actually trusts him who wants to communicate with him, who wants to, you know, hear the good, bad, and the ugly. He does not have that in the real world, so. No. And what's so heartbreaking about it is, is he has that if it wasn't this secret yes, to share. Exactly. Like, cause you know, Gil, Danny, and at this point, even JT would be like, yes. hey man, like, do you need to talk? Like, so he, yeah. he's so close. And that's yeah. what makes it all the worse yeah. is he is right there, but this is the one thing that he cannot tell them. And yeah. not even just because they're cops. If they weren't cops, this is still the one thing that yeah. it goes too far. Exactly. And he can't tell. And that's what's so like, just gut-wrenching about he's mm -hmm. so close to the perfect reality. Yeah. Even if in real life he never ends up with Danny, he's so close to that partnership, to that like, yeah. that just we're vibing on that same level, and mm -hmm. and he's it's so close, but that far, yeah, mm -hmm. away at the same time. It is the ultimate secret. Yeah, mm -hmm. which I I just I love that they have those moments of like it's it's something that the burden and the cross that he has to bear, and it yeah. is weighing him down mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So flip that around. <laughs> At um, 3749, I am here for the fact that other than him opening the box and accepting that he's going to leave this reality, it's Danny's bright that wakes him up in the shaft. Like you hear Danny say bright and then his eyes open mm -hmm. in the elevator shaft. Mm -hmm. So, you know, still holding on to that dream. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like the it's like Braveheart where it's like you can never take my freedom <laughs> like, it's like I hold on to my brain <laughs> great Scottish Angie <laughs> yeah, you know I tried I rolled the R a little more but I didn't want to be yeah. too dramatic can I just mention that when he wakes up he looks over and sees that skull and goes hi <laughs> And then he thanks it for its participation later. But see, I loved that though. <laughs> I, like, oh my gosh, I love this so much. I, I got it's really like, I got very sentimental over that because if you think about it, like investigators and stuff, they have these connections with their victims and, you know, if it weren't for them, they wouldn't be able to catch these people. So it just, to me, it was like, you know, an investigator thinking the victim like i'm sorry that this happened to you but thank you for unlocking it so i was probably the only one who was like this is so sweet and everyone else was like this guy needs medical attention <laughs> in so many ways okay so kara i have you marked as something for this second. that was the the reveal of the serial killer okay so you want to hit that sure okay um so then we eventually find out after 
Malcolm comes to this conclusion, thanks to said skull, um, him and Danny go up to the apartment where um, the old guy in the wheelchair, forget his name, <laughs> um, and his daughter live. And we find out that he actually is not wheelchair bound. He is a fully capable man. And also- Which how I, pissed is the daughter? Like I have been wheeling your ass for years. <laughs> you are not, you, you are pretty heavy, bitch. dude. <laughs> The no elevator I, in this building. You, the things I do I for you, Dad. I could be living in a penthouse. <laughs> just, um, me, just me. <laughs> no, I. You know, hey. Uh, <laughs> Old people are not light. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> this actually was kind of interesting for me because um, anyone who's into true crime would know, hopefully, of the Golden State. Yeah, the Golden State Killer. Um, who actually was called the original Night Stalker as another frame of reference back to. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, and actually when this guy was arrested in 2018, he was arrested at the house that he lived in with his daughter, one of his daughters. Um, so I loved that reference. Oh, that's a good reference. Yeah. Um, and when they initially arrested this guy and they took him to trial, there's... Um, court image there's court video of him um like appearing to be sentenced and he's in a wheelchair and he looks very like slumped over he looks like an old man um and everyone all the investigators were saying don't believe it like don't buy into this like this man is fully capable and then video footage was released of this guy doing like pull-ups and push-ups in his cell um and so i loved the whole like reference to that with this killer i don't know if they had specifically thought of this guy but i was just like hmm nice nice Look gsk, nice yeah, GSK reference sure. yeah that's for sure mm -hmm. at thirty-eight twenty-seven, um when malcolm kind of reunites with danny and jt and he's very kind of stumbly and like when was the last time i spoke to you that same song um by rostam plays again like in that and it just it works so perfectly with this scene where he's seeing Danny for the first time since he saw her in his dream reality. First of all, he's massively banged up way more so yeah. than we were shown on screen. Not that I'm bitter that I keep getting robbed of hospital scenes with mm -hmm. Malcolm. Stabbed? No hospital scene. Fine. Falls down four flights of stairs. You know, no hospital scene. It's fine. You just brush it off and put some fancy hair gel on that $10,000 suit and we'll clean it up. It'll be fine. Not accurate. <laughs> All right, mini rant. I'm good. I'm fine. No, um, I'm right there with but you. But that song is like, and the way Tom delivers the, when was the last time I saw you? It's mm -hmm. like whispered, like he barely gets it mm -hmm. out of his mouth. It sounds almost like a help me the yeah. way he mm -hmm. says it. And it, I'm always the person that like the scene will get me, but when you add the right music, it's oh, just- yeah end of my life yeah. like waterworks happen and this was a moment where it that song combined with that moment just it mm -hmm. hit me and the all the frisian all the you yep. know the little spiky hairs and yep. it just i was like god bless and they did such a good job aurora as like the unknowing kind of looks like she doesn't know what's going on in his, in his head mm -hmm. and tom is the like Oh, it's her. Like, mm -hmm. and he's already mm -hmm. been like, I know what it feels like for her to fall asleep on my chest now. And I know what it feels like to snuggle on a cat. I know. Thank you. This is me. Oh, I'm just God. watching it. I'm like, 
like, I can't take it. I actually sobbed out loud at this point. I, I was literally crying out loud. <laughs> like it was so well written too. Like mm-hmm. so many props to, to why it came. Like it was just, it was amazing. Yeah. At 4052, we have that final scene between Malcolm and Danny, the kind of longing looks when the other one's not looking. <laughs> yes. And we have... Um, a couple things the the return of kind of the full drink more tea with friends music mm-hmm. underplaying this moment mm-hmm. um and i love that first of all you know that gill's gonna die and be buried in a turtleneck that's fine <laughs> we knew that we turtleneck. knew that that's not news <laughs> um, and her delivery aurora's deadpan like that man will be buried in a turtleneck yeah. like, don't mm-hmm. even joke about that mm-hmm. i love that she picks a particular question that isn't the question she's asking. She asks, was I different in your dream? Which is really, was I there? Mm -hmm. Because she has not heard anything about whether or not she was in his dream. And she kind of the way it's played, wanted to be, maybe felt a little Mm -hmm. left out Mm -hmm. if she was not. And so she very wisely chooses a question that isn't, was I in your dream? Yeah. It's, was I different? Like it it was a nice way to find out was I there without sounding like you have to ask that question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that was a really clever writing trick on, on Wyatt Kane's part. But again, here we are confiding in each other. We're sharing things. We're having a little bit of banter. And there's that same music from the first time that they had moments like this. And then we have the full circle... Uh, the the one thing you never do is bore me and the way they edit that together is stunning stunning absolutely beautiful and just the edits during the scene period where he sees her what was i like and then it flash and then you know kind of different flash like where he's trying to be like focus focus (gasps) this is what it was like Mm -hmm. it's beautiful i love that this relationship has grown um If you are not team bright, well, you know, whatever, it's grown at least platonically. Like it's it's absolutely a situation where they're yeah. confiding in each other more. Yes. Like there could be a family aspect there. If you are Brightwell, then like you it's clear for that faction that like there's a taste of more happening at that point, especially for for Bright. Maybe yeah. we don't know hundred percent where Danny stands yet, and it's a little bit more ambiguous, but for Bright, it is very much that moment. Mm-hmm. Um and she calls him Malcolm. <laughs> yep. Yep. Which she calls him Malcolm in the dream. Yeah. Yep. They're at the precinct. She says Malcolm. And I didn't notice that the first time either. Oh, I, oh, um, I did. That was the first but time. But I, I was like, like oh, oh hello. Okay. So, so it's not the first time. Because I was going to say this is the first time in the whole series. But it's technically the second. It is the first time reality. In reality. Danny yes. has called him Malcolm. Yes. Which is just not something she's like. That is. That's kind of intimate. I Yes. Think. Um, like the whole cops and military and maybe firefighters as well. Like I know yeah. I, I have military family experience. It's last name basis. Yeah. Like half the time someone will say like, what's that dude's first name? Well, I don't know. That's Jones. Like, I, I don't know what his first <laughs> name is. He's Jones. Like that. Mm-hmm. And the, the cops are very similar. It's a last name basis. Um, and for her that it was always bright. Like it's just, it's always, bright. Yeah. And yeah it's professional. Him, yeah. For her to yeah. call him Malcolm is like a, it's almost more intimate than a kiss for me. Like for whatever yeah. reason, that's like a next level take on yeah. this friendship. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, just like, it, I guess it'd be weird if Bright started calling her Powell because he's never done that. It's always no. been Danny. But mm-hmm. like for, that's just, it's such an intimate thing for her to say that. And then to see his reaction in that little whispered goodbye. Oh! I swear, whoever, Kane, oh. you wrote the end of this. Like, just literally, did you just go through all the Brightwell Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram and go, how can I feed the fandom? The oh, my that oh, my God. Oh, my God. How can I kill them? Sustain and kill them in the same oh. scene. It's called, it's four words. It's called Archive of Our Own. And- yeah. <laughs> Someone was on AO3 for uh. sure. Uh. <laughs> so that's how you get into our brains. Yes. I had um, rewatched this at work today. So like I do like uh, a rewatch with notes and, you know, stopping and everything. And then I do a final rewatch where I like try to mostly focus on the audio um, for two reasons, but mostly because I'm also multitasking and doing it at work when I shouldn't be. So I just leave the audio on and do stuff so that I can hear the music and like pick up on things that are being said rather than seen. And uh, I had flipped back to the back to hulu to finish watching the scene and just it just like i even i went in discord and like started screaming it just absolutely killed me and it's just like why that little goodbye that's so quiet after she's out of earshot and what i love is that's like that's such a layered goodbye because you can look at it as the like oh i wish we were together but then you can also look at it as there's my chance at happiness, but I can't because I've already ruined it with all the stuff I know and can't tell her. Like there's so many layers to that goodbye. Mm -hmm. It's not just romantic. Like it's also like, there's the partner I could have. There's the happiness I could have. There's the trust and confidant I could have. There's, and it's just goodbye to all of it. See you later. Like, and it it hits hard. It hurts. (laughs) And she gave him room to say that she said was I different and he could have been like yeah you you and I were a thing and you know we were happy and I didn't have nightmares and yeah he even could have played it off to be funny and would have been like hey guess what you and I were together isn't that ridiculous like and then he could have been like isn't that crazy (laughs) (laughs) the reaction is it maybe it's not crazy Hey, I mean, he I still, there was still a little bit of that though because then he looks he does that really longing that the thousand mile look that absolutely uh-huh. breaks my heart so yep, he still kind good. of does it but in a way that sort of creeps her out too she's like good night malcolm like what are you <laughs> what are you doing hey, buddy <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it was just oh my god <laughs> i have no words i'm just so and upset. since we can't leave in a puddle of fluff um, we have to <laughs> yeah, add no, one no. scene after it. We have to. <laughs> at forty-two ten, we have Ainsley oh. um, <laughs> is in Malcolm's apartment. I props to Tom for for most, like not most, for all of this episode. I the one episode that really hit me hard in the first season was the the penultimate episode one nineteen. Like he acted, his, not that he doesn't act his ass mm-hmm. off every week, but that one for me, I was like. <sighs> give this man a freaking Emmy nomination. Like it was pissing me off. Um, and this one is similar, but different. Like he, we know that based on interviews, he's not exactly, you know, on the Brightwell ship right now. He's like, he's really not in a place for it, that it's not really organic. And you know, that's cool. It's, it's, all, it's all good. Um, but he is absolutely bringing Malcolm and acting Malcolm mm-hmm. contrary to what are kind of his personal opinions, I think. 
mm-hmm. um and he's killing it like you would not know based on how he's acting yeah what his kind of more personal opinion on it is mm-hmm. um and it's just the puppy dog eyes and the longing and now we're in here with Ainsley and his delivery he finally is just um I have to tell you this I have some stuff yeah. to tell you yeah. and he tells you, her I'm sorry I lied and his voice breaks three times yeah words like you can tell he is like he's about to cry yeah and not just Malcolm like Tom is about to cry delivering like and it's not a sad, like, it, he is sorry, but I feel like it's almost that, like, it's a relief. Have you ever done that where, like, yeah. you finally have a moment of relief in something mm-hmm. fun and you just break down because you're yeah. like, oh, God, it's over. Like, I feel like it's kind of like that. Like, he has finally spoken the words mm-hmm. and it's just, it all comes to a head at that point yeah. and it hits him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not see the the twist they were right in the promo i did not see the twist coming i did not expect that shocking um finale but i knew she was sounding very weird when she Mm. was talking i was like okay something sketchy is happening and when she does reveal i just did the play when she reveals (laughs) (laughs) when she reveals the bloody clothing beneath the coat she gets the full-on we're the same theme which she has yeah. never gotten a full version of yet. I turned the volume um, up for that. And I'm yes. like, I'm going to make Angie like proud. Malcolm, and I'm going to listen. Yes, ma'am. I am proud of you. <laughs> um, Malcolm jumps back and it is the full hard strings. Holy shit. We're the same yeah. game of like, mm-hmm. this is now a second time she's done it. Yeah. And also the way that she admits it to, she, the tone in her voice is very flat. She's like, I blacked out again or something like she yeah, yeah. is just like I, I don't know I don't know what happened and Malcolm is just like oh my god whereas she's just very flat like this happened like yeah I think she's which, still she's still kind of in like a state of shock especially yeah, if it, yeah. especially if it happened she just went straight to uh straight to his place yeah and so that has a little bit of like a disassociative thing yeah. going on but then it also could play into the sociology or sociopathy or I I can never (laughs) say the word the right way Um, of her like so is she really just completely blacking out is she getting flashes of things and there's just no emotional response to it is it her brain not allowing her an emotional response because it will collapse on itself like a dying star yeah exactly yeah that's what I was sort of wondering was I was thinking is the flat tone because of possible sociopathy or is it because she's still dissociative and she's still like i i did this she really doesn't know what she's talking about she she is not coming to terms with it she's like showing it to be like here but she like hasn't processed it processed it like i killed someone again like god i hate when that happens (laughs) yeah like god i mean like look at this outfit malcolm and i'm like oh my god Yeah, there's something yeah. about putting Ainsley and Malcolm in bloody expensive clothing that they like to do a lot. <laughs> well, they enjoy that. They enjoy destroying clothing um, on this show. So there's a lot of speculation on who this potential victim could be, if it's someone we already know or if it's someone coming up. I hope it's a rat or a squirrel from a basement. <laughs> Imagine! <laughs> That's a lot of... Oh my God. Hey, rats did are big. Su- no, did we see Sunshine? <laughs> <laughs> Bolo, Bolo for sunshine. The parakeet sunshine. So that's it. No, you want to know the hate that would come out of the fandom? 
if she killed Sunshine, this fandom would immediately be like, that's it, fire Halston Sage, kill Ainsley Whitley, get her out. You could do other things, but not this. Yeah, like, like, she would be public enemy number one over anyone, over anyone else in the entire show. I so badly want to believe that now. I hate that I'm saying that. All right, guys, we need a bolo on Sunshine stat. (laughs) Yeah, someone find her, please. Um, some people are wondering if it was like that rich, um, yeah, well guy because yeah. because yeah. he has a lot of kind of Indicott vibes of like yeah. the I can buy my way out of anything and I'm wealthy and I don't lose blah yeah. blah blah. So for her, is that kind of like a, I don't like this guy because he reminds me of the other guy. Yeah, but she also. And... Sorry, oh. Carolyn. <laughs> I I almost okay. wonder if you and I are about to say the same thing. Oh. She says when Malcolm walks over her over to her after she interviews him and she like says something like. You know, if he's gonna lie through his teeth, I'm gonna rip him out. Like that maybe. Yeah. And some people on Twitter talked about that too. And by like, rip. <laughs> I mean. uh, but the the last interaction they had was like not that it's something to kill somebody over, but the last interaction that they had was he cut her off. Like she asked him a question and he cut her off and was like, Yep, nope, done by. Yeah. So that was like well and she says right before that you've been accused of bribery and you know this and that which is all stuff that Endicott had been mixed up in like so for her that could be like ooh, i don't like this guy you know she's like a vigilante type with weird motivations yeah yeah which now knowing that this has happened i was already excited for alan coming to join and the character that he's gonna play as like that kind of mi6 foil to to malcolm but now it's not just Malcolm that Malcolm has to worry about. Like he's covering up multiple like pieces of this, like dear God. And then, you know, for a fact and God, it better happen. We're going to get a scene with Alan Cumming and Michael Sheen. Because, you know, he's going to go interview the surgeon and then Malcolm is going to have to wonder what the hell is he saying to this guy that has like this ax over my head? Like, he can, and, he can pull I would not put it past Martin to be like, I could give you some intel if you can make it worth my while. You know, yes. like, can you get me, you know, out of yeah. here? Can you get me some lower security? Like, so it's just, it's all going to come to a head. I'm not, yeah. I love Catherine Zeta-Jones. I'm wondering where her character is going. I'm really hoping they don't try to make it like a romantic interest for Martin. Oh God, I really Because there is this theory out there that sounds pretty plausible of like, is it going to be like now that Jessica's spending more time with Martin, is she going to get all jealousy feels about things? No! I'm like, can I just swallow the bile in the back of my throat, please? And She just <laughs> not give a damn about him. Let's get yeah, over like, this. Like when she walked out of his cell. Shout You're gross. To, shout, You're out, gross. Yeah, shout out to Caroline and I to, uh, you know, serial killer fangirls. You're gross. Like. <laughs> God. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm not excited at the prospect that if it's a winter finale, finale, we may have another multi-week hiatus following right after that. Um, yeah. But I, th- I think some stuff's going to come to a head. I like having this kind of foil character for Malcolm now because mm. it sounds like they're going to make him like equally as smart and as yes. cunning in his job as him. So he's going to have to do a lot more than just hide some stuff from the NYPD um, than what he's been doing now. So that yeah. sounds interesting. He can no longer assume that he's the smartest in the room. And I will lose my mind if they let Alan Cumming Bye-bye. have his actual voice. Please let us have his accent. Please. I, I mean, I, I mean, he says Europol. So. That's yeah. He's from Europol, so I'm like, please, just let him speak with his natural accent, please. And then let's have just you know, 
Malcolm do some kind of British joke and then he can talk like himself for like three minutes. <laughs> yes. All right, so we have our last, um, not giveaway ever, but our last kind of swag giveaway for this week. Um, we took a little bit of a hiatus to figure out how we wanted to work our final one and if we wanted to split it up or make it one big one. We just decided we we're going to finish off with a bang and do kind of one big um, giveaway. And we're going to switch it up a little bit because since it is kind of the finale one, we really don't want the answers out all over the interwebs, kind of how we've done, you know, code words and things before. So the first rule is when we give you this question, you have to respond with an answer to our DMs. So you have to either DM us on Instagram or DM us on Twitter, both of which are at podcast CSA with the answer so that we're not giving it out to just everybody and their mom. Um, and so here's what we do. We, we had the pleasure of interviewing Nathaniel Bloom a couple of weeks ago, who is our amazing composer for the show. And in that interview, um, I asked him who his influences were, which composers were ones that influenced his career path choice. So you need to tell me one of the composers that he listed as having greatly influenced his career choice. So you can DM either one of our social medias with an answer and you'll get put into the little randomizer I'll take a video of. And um, whoever gets chosen gets our last swag, prodigal son, spectacular. So do that. We'll put a reminder out there onto social media for that as well. And then we go into an off week next week. Yep. So we'll have to, uh, we'll, we'll find you guys on social media. We'll make sure we're active and we're interacting with you guys and stuff, but we, uh, we have an off week and mm -hmm. we are going to give uh, those of us, since all of us have 40 hour a week jobs and two of us have children, yeah. we're going to give us a week off and take a moment and, and do that. So, um, let us know what you thought about the episode. Let us know theories. Who do we think Ainsley has, um, you know, hacked to pieces this time? Who could possibly be the person she stabbed? Or bird. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> other, it's, it's not sunshine. R.I.P. Sunshine. <laughs> and on that note, we will catch you guys later. Have a good break off, and we'll see you back here after 2.07. Bye-bye.